We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the 1991 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back! All right, welcome to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. We are recording this live Monday night following the loss to the Denver Nuggets. I'd much rather be recording this after a win, especially after the performance they had against the Brooklyn Nets and uh, taking that tiebreaker away from them for the eighth seed. This is Richie, and I'm going to be recapping the game and getting to several listener questions as well. And as always, if anyone here in Twitter spaces would like to request to speak, I can always carve out time for that too. Uh, Before we get too deep into the pod, I want to remind you guys of two things. We'd love a rating and review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. And then number two, if you have a Twitter account and would like to be part of our BuzzBeat podcast Twitter community, there'll be a link in the episode notes for you guys to join or just go to our Twitter feed and find those postings about the community. Uh, It's just an opportunity for some of our listeners to kind of banter back and forth on the Hornets as they make their... Uh, their run towards the end of the season here. So like I always do these post-game pods, I will just kind of give my general thoughts on the game and then kind of run down some of the players. And I do have a couple questions at the end, which are more big picture stuff, which I'll get to in the last half of this podcast. So uh, like I mentioned at the top, Charlotte loses 109-113. The story of the first quarter was Aaron Gordon uh, scoring 17 points in that first period. Uh, This probably doesn't need to be said, but Denver in that first quarter and really just in the game specifically, they were much better when Jokic was on the court than off the court. And I think he contributed a lot to Aaron Gordon's performance than probably he'll get credit for. And there's a reason he's the leader for the MVP race. And there's a reason he probably doesn't need to score 20 points a night to really have an impact on the game. He's a good rebounder. He's a good passer. Uh, He draws a lot of attention from opposing defenses. And we saw that again tonight where the Hornets threw some double teams at him and he would just find other players and he would, you know, have an impact on the game outside of the scoring aspect. I think in the second half, you start started to see Jokic 
put up some points, but really in the first half, it was just him facilitating for his teammates and especially Aaron Gordon in that first quarter. The second quarter to me was a very strange one. I, I think that the energy and the defensive effort for the Hornets, it was upped and it led to some stops and they were, you know, getting some advantageous spots against Denver with their transition offense. But the ending of that quarter was very, very odd. Denver went on a run. It looks like they were going to take a lead into the halftime, take any momentum away from Charlotte. But then the Hornets had a 6-0 run and kept the lead heading into the second half. And I thought that momentum heading into the halftime was going to kind of transition over to the second half. But momentum completely shifted back in Denver's favor. Jokic started to heat up with his scoring and and the Nuggets started hitting their threes and really from the third quarter onwards they really couldn't get over the hump and take a significant lead uh, and they ended up losing like I said dropping their record uh, to 39 and 37. I, I think really what did the Hornets in and uh, I know that the refs were probably not the best in this game. There were some questionable calls. There were some soft calls. There were some non-calls that should have been calls. But I think what really did the Hornets in was the second chance opportunities and points for the Nuggets. And that's a common downfall for this team. Uh, when they don't rebound the ball on the defensive side of the court, the other team is just going to feast with those second chance points. The Nuggets did that all game, uh, but especially late when the Hornets needed to come up with the stop. And also, too, when the Hornets made turnovers, it felt like they took themselves out of the play a lot. It felt like the Nuggets had, you know, five on four situations or four on three situations a lot. So those are the two biggest things that I would like to point to are the second chance points for the Nuggets and just the fact that some of these turnovers took themselves out of the play. Let's go through some player performances. I'll start with LaMelo. I think he's been awesome lately. He's been playing freely. And like I mentioned on the previous pod, he knows when to get downhill. He knows when to pull the ball back out. His facilitation will always be there. Uh, he had seven assists in the first half. His pocket passing was really on tonight. He had a couple of those that were really, really pretty. And he kind of he anticipates the double before it comes. And he just makes that pocket pass to the big. He had one to Harrell and he had one to PJ in the second half. I do think that LaMelo, probably more so than any other player on this roster, got the raw end of the whistle on several occasions tonight. And I'm not sure he or really any of the other players could find a groove because every so often the Hornets would go on like a semi-run and there'd be a call that, that goes wrong in the Nuggets' favor and they would stop to complain and it just wouldn't end well. And I think... You know, having a player like Isaiah Thomas and some of the veterans, like they, they are able to kind of get over the controversial calls a little bit quicker, uh, while some of the younger players have a harder time working through that. And that's not to say that the the refs whistle didn't favor Denver. I, I hate to criticize the refs, but that's one thing that I did notice with with Lamelo. I, I think he does get the raw end of the whistle, but he also jaws a lot at the refs and jaws a lot at the other players. And that's just something that's going to come with time. And speaking of Isaiah Thomas, like he's just been an awesome acquisition. He's a bucket getter, you know, for his size at five, nine, like he has the ability to score inside the arc and at the rim. That's huge. Like, I think when you think of a guy that that's that small, 
you know, you're just going to put him out in the perimeter, have him do catch and shoot threes, like not get inside in the paint. But I feel like that's where most of his buckets came from tonight was inside the inside the paint, getting closer to the rim. He even has like that long two pull up shot as well. And there was like a very underrated play in the fourth quarter. I wish it would have led to a win, but it was an opportunity to grab a rebound. But because he's so small, he was kind of on his way down. He couldn't grab it. And he just had to tip the rebound to Rozier. And that to me is just a very heads up veteran type play. And I think on the the following possession, the Hornets had an opportunity to hit a three, but they did not come away with any points. So Isaiah Thomas, another standout performance for him. Montrez Harrell, I think he had an under-the-radar first half. I think anyone that watched this game knows what the end result was with Harrell. He was ejected in the third quarter because of a double technical. Not sure I totally agree with the call. It, It felt a little soft. I'm assuming the double technical was one for him stepping over uh, Austin Rivers and then number two kind of pushing Aaron Gordon a little bit and escalating the situation. So I'm assuming that's where the double technical came in. I That was the one call that I, I look back on. I'm just like, I, I'm not sure I can agree and, and get with that call, but he he made an impact in the first half. I'm not sure if, you know, his ejection really changed the game by any means in terms of, you know, if he would have stayed in it, the Hornets would have won. But he has developed this synergy with LaMelo Ball, and, and he had a nice dunk in the second quarter, like I said, off of a pocket pass. So you need his energy and his physicality in games like this, especially on the boards and um, just trying to get the defense upped a little bit with the intensity. And I thought he brought that in the second quarter. Who knows what would have happened uh, if he had stayed in the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. Terry Rozier. Yeah, he was he was he was a non non-factor tonight. Let's see what he, what his uh, box score was. I'm pulling it up right now. 5 of 14 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep and a minus 12. Again, that's a plus minus there. You know, he had five straight points uh, in the third quarter, but outside of that, like, it, he could not get things going. He had opportunity to hit a three late in the game, but missed it from the corner. I thought after that miss, like, I didn't think the Hornets uh, were going to come around and, and win the game. They did have an opportunity. He probably had a case to have a four-point play towards the end, 
but it seems like all these whistles were not going in the direction of the Hornets. So I thought that he needed to have a bigger game tonight and step up and go in two of seven from behind the arc just isn't going to get it done. Uh, Miles Bridges, to me, like if I had to pick a player of the game, it would be him. He finished with 27 points, 11 rebounds, and he shot the ball pretty well from inside the arc. That's one thing that he still needs to work on is that three-point shot. He's struggling from behind the arc from last season to this season. I think last season he was close to 40%. And then this season, he's closer to like the low 30s. If, if he can just kind of find that happy medium, it's going to do a lot for his game. But at least he's willing to shoot the ball out there. And he did make a couple of huge threes to kind of cut the lead down. But overall, like he's not getting much production from behind the arc. He's getting a lot of his points, you know, getting all the way to the rim, you know, doing that bully ball tactic with that improved handle and, and just scoring in different ways around the rim. That, that, that stuff is still impressive. But whether it's the three-point shot that needs to improve or maybe he needs to invest in like a mid-range floater, like he just doesn't look to shoot from there. So when his three-point shot isn't falling and he gets going towards the rim and let's say the defense takes away the shot at the rim, he doesn't really look to shoot in that floater range. He looks to pass or he looks to go sideways uh, with it. Miles Bridges had a well-rounded game tonight, but that's just you know one area of his game that I thought was a little bit lacking is that three-point shot and the in-between game as well. So I wish the Hornets could have come out with a win tonight, losing 113-109, triple-double from Jokic. And uh, it was a big one uh, in terms of the seeding for the Hornets, and there's only a handful of games left. So every game is going to mean something moving forward, and they've got the Knicks on Wednesday night. Let's get into the Q&A section. And as always, anyone here that has a question, we can get to you as well, or a thought about the Hornets as we move towards the, the tail end of the season. Let's get to my first question that I received from Maxton Artis. He says, who is the X factor for this team? The answer can't be everyone, he says. So we can't choose everyone on the roster to be an X factor. Now, I guess what he's saying there, like everyone needs to play a role. This team does have little room for error. So if somebody goes down or has foul trouble or, or something to that nature, uh, it typically doesn't bode well for the Hornets. So I guess it, I guess I first want to say, I guess it depends on how you define X factor. My definition of an X factor is a player that when he plays well, the team usually is in good shape to win and then vice versa. When the player has a lackluster performance or is in foul trouble or whatever, the team struggles to get into a groove and win. So I, w I wouldn't say the X factor is the best player on this team. So as I've talked about my definition of X factor, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys two X factors on this team that would fit this title. And maybe you guys disagree. Maybe you guys can shoot me a DM or, or tweet at me who you think the X factors for the Charlotte Hornets roster. I'm going to say PJ Washington. And I actually made a mention of that preseason and Terry Rozier. I think PJ Washington unlocks so many things as a small ball, big offensively. This team plays much better when he's on the court. He adds 6.6 .6 points per hundred possession when he's out there on the court, which is, which is awesome. It, it, that's like upper tier stuff. He can stretch the court as a trailing big. He can work out of the short role. He can get others involved. He's also 
you know, not the greatest, but he's improved at the rim this season. I'll also say Rozier because he's got the ability to create so much gravity with his off ball movement. And when that happens, the defense starts to scramble a little bit more, starts to shade his side. And that makes the game easier for others. And really himself as well. I, I think that when the opponents are shading him defensively, he can use that attention to kind of work back door. We've seen that happen a lot with Mason Plumley and that combination that they have going on there. And when he does create that gravity, Bridges has more room to drive to get to the rim. And not that LaMelo needs extra space, but he has more room. He's got the ability to find cutters at an easier rate when Rozier is knocking down his threes, which he did not uh, tonight. So I think that Rozier has the ability to score in bunches. I think his offensive game is more varied than people give him credit for. He's more than just three-point shooter. So if I had to give like two players to kind of fit this X-Factor title, I'm going to give it to P.J. Washington and, and Terry Rozier. The team will perform well if these two are having good games, which obviously we can't expect every night, but I, I think you know their performances often lead to victories. All right, next question comes from Ellen Iverson. At this point, four playoff games are great experience, but what are the chances we steal a game or two, assuming the team sneaks into the playoffs at the eighth seed? Uh, regardless of who they're playing, I honestly think that the Hornets are getting at least five games. I'd probably put that probably at 95%, that any series that they play goes five games. Now, obviously, forcing six games or seven games are going to be a difficult task, and I don't have much hope that it actually gets to that point, but I don't, I don't see a sweep. But I, I fully agree uh, with the sentiment that Hornets getting into the playoffs, not just the play-in, but the playoffs, is important for these players. Uh, they need the experience, even if it's just a five-game series. I think Bridges and PJ and LaMelo will be better for it even if it's just five games, like I mentioned, it, it's something that you can't simulate. And when they make the playoffs next year, a couple years down the line as a higher seed, as a five seed or a six seed, I think knowing that they've been there before in these situations could give them, you know, an, an edge. And I think that's why having a player like Isaiah Thomas or Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier are so important for this team in that sense. So, Yes, I, I think any playoff series that the Hornets are going to enter in, regardless of the opponent, I do think they steal a game. Steal two, uh, that might be pushing it, but I, I do not predict that there's going to be a sweep. But the more games, the better. The playoff experience and, and having been there before is going to help this team down the road. And then the last question I got is from Filippo Barese. And it relates to the previous question. He wants me to project the play-in tournament slash playoffs rotation. So when it comes to the play-in and playoffs, rotations usually shrink to what, like nine, sometimes eight players. And I think what makes this an interesting talking point is that the Hornets have Hayward waiting in the wings. Like the hope is that he gets healthy by the end of the season you know, maybe he doesn't play the same amount of minutes that he was getting at the beginning of the season just because of his, you know, his health. But I'm going to answer this question as if Hayward is ready to play in two and a half weeks time from now. And I'm going to break down like my minutes allocation for each player. And when you cut this rotation down to nine players, 
or eight, like you're going to have to cut out someone that's been seeing some minutes throughout the last handful of games. And I think, I think there was an easy target for me to kind of cut from the rotation, but there was one player that I actually took out of the rotation, which I'm kind of second guessing tonight. So call me crazy if this rotation doesn't make any sense, but at the point guard rotation, I've got LaMelo with all of his minutes at the point guard rotation and then sprinkled in there with about 10 to 11 minutes, I have Rozier. And then at the shooting guard position, I've got Rozier with the bulk of his minutes there and then Cody Martin with all of his minutes at the shooting guard position. And then at the small forward position, I've got three players, mostly Hayward and Oubre playing at that that three spot with Bridges playing there occasionally uh, when they go big. And then in the power forward position, I got Bridges and Washington. And then at the center position, I've got Plumlee, Washington, and Harrell. So after listening to that, you probably have noticed that I've taken out Jalen McDaniels completely. I don't think that that was a hard decision to make. Now, I don't think that's out of the question that he sees playing time, especially maybe if Ubre doesn't find his groove, but he would not make my nine-man rotation this is all assuming that Hayward gets back. And I think that really seals his fate as that guy at that three. And I think the harder decision to make, and Evan, I'll get to your speaker request here is the, like if, if, we're, if we're going down to the playoffs and the play in and you're getting down to that eight, nine men rotation, I actually strongly considered inserting Isaiah Thomas into this rotation to make it a 10 man rotation. I was I was really, really like this close to doing that. And I know that if the Hornets did that and, and Borrego did that, it would have to cut into some of maybe not Mello's time, but maybe Rozier and Cody Martin's time. And those guys are just valuable to this team. And I can see a world where IT is literally just the veteran and extension of JB on the bench. Having said all that, I, I maybe I changed my mind if you were to ask me this, you know, two weeks from now. But I'd love to see him out there because he makes an impact when he is. But if I had to cut it down to nine men, Isaiah Thomas might not make my uh, playoff rotation. All right, Evan, you have a question? Oh, hey, sorry hey, about that. You're fine. Um, I, miss, I, miss, I miss our Twitter spaces. I feel like you guys haven't, uh, we haven't had a Twitter space in a while. So, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we haven't been uh, doing them as consistently. I think uh, a lot of people are having busy schedules this time of year with college yeah, basketball. Yeah. But, yep. For sure, and I apologize. I missed the beginning, so I'm sure you um, you recapped tonight's game. But this is this was a painful one for me. You know, after last night's game, and I was at the game last night in Brooklyn. And it was just it was electric, and this was coming into tonight. I you know I had a bit of a, a letdown game feeling, <laughs> um, especially you know in that third quarter. I knew I knew we were getting tired legs, but I mean this is a frustrating game because this was a game we had. You know, Denver left us opportunity to come back, miss free throws, and and Terry's been, I love Terry, Mr. Fourth Quarter. I, I don't have a problem with him shooting ever in the fourth quarter, but he's missed some big, big shots. Lately. I know he had the big shots. Tonight. I know he had that three last night in Brooklyn also. Um, but this was, this was a really frustrating game. And obviously the most frustrating point part was the offensive rebounds. I think we had yep. given up 17 offensive rebounds tonight. And it just felt, it was, it's just a gut punch every time you need to stop and you get that stop. And then it's an offensive rebound either by Cousins or, the last night it was Drummond and it's that those were those are real gut punches because like I said, you get those stops when you really need them and, and you get the ball right back. So yeah, this is my therapy, you know, tough loss <laughs> tonight. 
No, I would agree. I think that was the most deflating part of this loss was the offensive rebounds. And, and you mentioned, I think it was 17 offensive rebounds for the Nuggets tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think what's difficult is that like when you throw extra bodies at Jokic, you would expect obviously to you, for you to be in good position to grab those offensive rebounds, but maybe it left someone else a little bit easier to grab those. And then when Jokic was off the court, like you mentioned, uh, Evan, you know, DeMarcus Cousins was the one that was grabbing a lot of those offensive rebounds. And that was that was even more deflating. And yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the biggest thing with the Hornets is the turnovers and the offensive rebounds. When those start to come in bunches, that that's when the Hornets, they're done. They're done. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Evan. It's, it's tough on a back-to-back having that very high high of beating the Brooklyn Nets and then coming back and following it up with this because they had their chances. They had their chances to win tonight's game, but they could not pick up any kind of momentum. Matt, we'll go to you with your question. Hey there, sorry about that. Didn't know you switched over to me. Um, I mean, this loss disappointing the way they've been playing, but not surprising given it's a back to back, especially against a team, you know, Denver with Joe. He gives everybody a problem there, especially, you know, the Hornets with how running anybody else uh, outside of Plumley to put a body on him and uh, didn't help with Harold getting ejected either. But uh, just, uh, you know, the remaining schedule uh, six games. They play, uh, you know, three, I think, non-playoff games and teams and then three teams that are top of the East, Sixers, uh, Bulls, and Heat. I think they got to try to steal one of those to have a chance to stay in the eighth spot, assuming they can, uh, you know, win the uh, other three games against, you know, lesser teams. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that the win Wednesday night against the Knicks would be would be awesome. Magic and Wizards, like you mentioned. And I think of the teams of the 76ers, the Heat, and the Bulls, I think maybe the Bulls would be the easiest of, of those three with the way that they're playing. I know that the Heat aren't playing well either, uh, but both of those games, all three of those games, actually, uh, it looks like could be on the road, which is not good. So that well, is... That, go ahead. That Bulls game is the second of a back-to-back, too. Oh, you're right. You're right. And that's that's something that the Hornets definitely struggle with. I saw a stat the other day when the Hornets have a rest advantage their win percentage is just like off the charts. But when they're on a back-to-back and have a rest disadvantage like they did tonight, Nuggets having one game rest and Hornets having no games rest, definitely not a good recipe. So yeah, I would agree with you. I I think that they've got to go four and two to end the season to stay in contention for the eight seed. I think that they go three and three, they beat the teams that they're supposed to and lose, lose to those three playoff teams. I'm not sure that they make the eighth seed because I know that Nets have a fairly easy schedule remaining. And I want to say that the Hawks do too. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at the Nets schedule. I didn't see the Hawks, but the Nets have one more game, I think. Yeah, they play a bunch of uh, teams that aren't in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, you expect them to at least get four or five more wins. Right. All right. Well, the good news is they have the tiebreaker. So if it comes down to that, the Hornets do own the tiebreaker over the Nets. Uh, There were a couple other questions from Daniel Tapp and another guy named at private AB goat one on Twitter that deal more with the off season, which will probably hold off until closer to the end of the season. We're going to go ahead and wrap here and I appreciate everyone's support. We're looking to get one more episode out this week. And I think it's going to be a post game pod after the Knicks game on Wednesday. And we will keep you posted on that. So this is Richie. Hope you guys have a good one and we will talk to you guys next time.